0: I'd like to read uh, a passage of scripture, please, in the book of Matthew, and chapter 2, which is on page 1146, if you've got the same translation as I have here. Matthew chapter 2, uh, and we'll start at uh, uh, verse 9. This is talking about the wise men. Matthew chapter 2 verse 9, and they having heard the king went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, until it came and stood over the place where the little child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And having come into the house, they saw the little child and Mary his mother, and falling down did him homage, and having opened their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold And frankincense and myrrh, and being divinely instructed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Despite the constant materialism, I suppose, of what uh, Christmas is turning into, it's still very nice to see in shop windows, at schools, or in other places, It's still nice to see that some places still have what we would call a nativity scene. Where you have the baby in a manger, in a stable. I think it's it's important, not just at this time of year, but at all times in the year, to remember what a marvellous thing it is to think that God was manifest in flesh and came to this very earth. As a babe. And he was laid in a manger. At this time of year obviously we we think about it perhaps more. But perhaps we should have it in our minds. On a more regular basis. What an amazing thing it was. For God to send his son. The Lord Jesus Christ. To this earth. Born here. A couple of verses earlier. Born here in a stable. To Mary. And he was sent here on the greatest rescue mission that has ever been seen. He came here so that you and I tonight have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven. To have peace with God and to be able to spend an eternity in heaven with God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes perhaps we look at the nativity scene and we talk about the the incoming of the Lord Jesus and it becomes very, I don't know, poetic, romantic if you like. And we forget the true meaning of what it meant, what it meant for us as sinners. What it also meant for God in having to give his son to come down here on, uh, on our behalf, to die on our behalf so that we can go free. And what it meant for the Lord Jesus as well. It says he learnt obedience. He had to take on a bondman's form. <clears throat> All so that tonight. And, has a, and has, as has been done for many years. And many times in the past. The gospel message can go out. To whosoever and whoever will come in repentance and faith. You know it's a remarkable thing. To think about the Lord Jesus Christ coming down here. And why did he have to come? Well, the Lord Jesus says, uh, a number of times, he gives a number of different reasons why he came to this earth. He says, uh, he came not to do his will, but to do the, the will of him that sent him. That was God. And God's, God's will was that he wanted, uh, the Lord Jesus to come to this earth. Why? Because God is a God of love. And the Lord Jesus came to make known God's heart. The Lord Jesus came to make known God's love. And God's love was so great and so vast that it involved the desire to bring you and to bring me as lost, needy sinners into blessing. Jesus had to come. Paul says, that uh in, in in Timothy, I think it is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. dear friend, that's me, and that's you. We are all sinners. The Bible's very clear about that. you know you can talk to people uh, in in at work or wherever, and people are not very quick to admit that they are sinners. in fact sin is a very uh, taboo word, if you like, in the world today. People don't like talking about it at all. But the Bible, as is its way and as is, as is God's way of speaking, is very straightforward. God, when he speaks, never uh, is, is never anything other than straightforward and genuine and honest. And tonight, dear friends, you have to be honest with yourselves as well. The Bible is very clear when it says all have sinned and come short Of the glory of God. That's very straightforward language. That there is nobody in this room. In me. Whether you sitting on your seat here. All have sinned. And come short. Of the glory of God. We've all done things. We know. We've done and said. And thought things. That are wrong. And God is keeping uh, there's a there's a record, if you like, of every single thing. And one day, dear friends, you will have to answer for every single thing that you have done. And what will your answer be? Well, I know in this room tonight there are many that are what we call uh, resting, if you like, under the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I have done many things wrong in my life. And I will continue to do many wrong things in my life. But I know that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Saviour and that he has washed away all my sins in his precious blood. And I know there's many in this room tonight that can say that as well and can say that with assurance. Not because of some fanciful thing, but they know it to be true because God has said it to be true. Dear friends, I wonder whether you can say that. There's a hymn, isn't there? Are you washed in the blood? It's a bit of a, can be a bit of a strange expression perhaps. But what it means is, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour? When you read about the blood being shed on that cross at Calvary, do you know that it was done for you? I do. I have the assurance that my sins are gone and gone forever. And I want to ask you tonight, dear friend, do you have that assurance? Do you have that peace in your heart that your sins are gone and gone forever? You know, in Luke's gospel, when uh, the angel or the host of angels visit the shepherds on that hillside, they say, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. And you know, that's what the gospel is. It means good news. I was reading an article in the week. Somebody from the BBC, uh, one of the people that's in charge of who puts what programme on where, was saying that he was a bit worried that the Radio 4 programme was a bit depressing this year. There was too many depressing stories. And next year he was hoping that there was going to be more joy and more happiness on Radio 4. But you know, if you look around the world today, there isn't any joy. You pick up a newspaper, the news is not good. You know, you can, you can flick through as many articles as you like, and very, very few of them hold any sort of good news or positive news at all. But what, that's not what the gospel is like. The gospel is good news, because it concerns the Lord Jesus Christ. It concerns the Savior. It concerns a man who is able to deal with every need that you have. And that, dear friend, surely that is good news. There's no news like it. It is the glad tidings. And it's to all men. In that message from the the angel, it's to all men. That means it's to everybody, from shepherds to wise men. There's nobody that is outside the scope of God's blessing. Dear friend, tonight I don't know what you've done in your life. Whether you've done things that you would be, well I'm sure all of us have done things that we would be very embarrassed to bring up in front of other people. But whatever you've done, whatever background you have, the gospel goes out to everybody. To whosoever will, come unto me all ye who are weary and are heavy laden, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. There's nobody in this room tonight that has done anything so bad that God cannot forgive you. And dear friend tonight, I want to, that's, that's why it's good news. Because everybody has the opportunity tonight to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their salvation, as, as their saviour and know him as the one that is able to take away their sins. There's a, there's a man later on in Luke Simeon, and he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's talking to God. My, eye, my eyes have seen God's salvation. And tonight, dear friend, may you see Jesus for who he is. May you see the one who was born here 2,000 years ago. He is the only savior of sinners. And may your eyes be open tonight to see him for who he is. But I've read this little passage here. About the three kings. Well, they're not actually three kings, are they? We talked about that the other day. There was three gifts. And I wanted to just focus on these three gifts. Because I think they show, in a very nutshell sort of way, the gospel. You've got the gold. And the frankincense. And the myrrh. And the Bible is very... Uh, the Bible never uses words that it doesn't need to use. And I think it's very important that we've got these three here, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So gold is the first one. And gold is a very precious thing. If you're going to give gold to somebody, they must be a very special person. In fact, in the Bible, gold is actually often used to show what we call the deity of the Lord Jesus. It's shown to represent, to symbolize Jesus as God's Son. The Ark of the Covenant, the big box that was made in the Old Testament times, was made of wood and it was covered in pure gold. It's a very precious metal. And in the Bible, it often symbolizes that this Jesus was God himself. God manifest in flesh, we sometimes say. Earlier on here we've got in the, at the end of chapter 1, uh, I think Phil referenced it this morning. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. God sent his son. That's amazing, isn't it? God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't send anybody else. In fact, it, there's, a, there's a parable about this, isn't there? He sent many people. Throughout the whole te- Old Testament, prophets and uh, judges and all sorts of people came to speak and tell the people about God and who He was like and what He was like. And then eventually, they didn't listen. And God said, finally, I will send my Son. They will listen to Him. God sent His Son. God manifest in flesh. Jesus was God. That's an amazing thing isn't it. To think about. For God so loved the world it says. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever. Believes on him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God had to send his son. I said at the start that we're all sinners. And sinners. Unfortunately for us. Made a great divide between us and God and there's nothing that we can do from our side at all to bring us back into a relationship with God. God had to move from his own side and that involved sending his only begotten son. We all have a debt as I said. We all have things standing out against us and all of those things will have to be paid for and we cannot pay. We cannot undo One thing that we have done in our life. There's not one sin that you can pay for. It involved God in his love having to move from his side towards us. I was watching a film the other day. Katrina will probably recognise this. Where one of the characters was saying I've got red on my ledger and I want to rub it out. I want to wipe it out. And the other character said, can you really wipe out that much red? And that's the question tonight. Can you? Can you wipe out all the sins that you've got that stand against you? Can you do anything at all to move yourself any closer in favour to God? The answer, dear friend, is categorically no. The Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear that you can do nothing God has done it all. All that's required on your part is to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. And to come before a holy and a righteous God. Admit you're a sinner. Acknowledge you've done things wrong. And come in repentance. And then have faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have faith that that work that was done on that cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago was done for you. And is able to wash away all of your sins. Ephesians chapter 2 says by grace you are saved. Not of yourselves. It is God's gift. Many of us probably have received gifts. I know my children are still waiting patiently for tomorrow to receive most of theirs. But the greatest gift that has ever been given. Was God giving His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. A gift that none of us deserved, and yet a gift that we can all come into the good of by coming to a God tonight in repentance and in faith. We sung in our hymn, there's nothing, there's nothing we can do. Verse two, what could you do that the Lord has not done? What could you give for your sins to atone? Think you that God would have spared not his son. If by a creature the work could be done. Only Jesus could do this. It necessitated God moving in love. Nobody else will do. It's just Jesus. And I want you tonight to think of the cost that was involved. Think of what it cost God. Think of what it cost his beloved son. To come into this world and to die the Lord Jesus to die on that cross so that you tonight had the opportunity to come into blessing. Undeserved. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing to think about? While you were still a sinner, while you were still in your sins, God sent his son so that you tonight have the opportunity to come into blessing by grace you have been saved. So it was God's son. God had to send his son. We can't do it on our behalf. It had to be God moving from his side. The second gift was frankincense. And frankincense, I think, is very prevalent in the, if you go back to the book of Leviticus, I know often people think the early books in the Bible are very very boring. But actually, if you look at the book of Leviticus, you look at the offerings, there's loads in there. And they all speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's so much in these Old Testament books uh, that sometimes perhaps we just, we just sort of skim over. But it's full. They all speak about the Lord Jesus. When the Lord Jesus was on that road uh, to Emmaus and he was speaking to those two. He he unfolded from all the the law of Moses and all the prophets the things concerning himself. They all speak about the Lord Jesus. And in that second offering, the one that speaks about the Lord's perfect life down here, frankincense was used a lot. And frankincense, I think, would be a symbol of the perfection of the Lord's life down here. That perfect incense that went up to God as he travelled those 33 years, but particularly those three years where he was, we we get that small section captured for us in the Gospels. The Lord Jesus Christ as a perfect, sinless man. You know, only a perfect sacrifice would do for a perfect God. We can't offer ourselves because we are imperfect. Jesus was perfect in every way. The... The the voice down from heaven. This is my beloved son. In whom i found my delight. That could be said of nobody else. Jesus alone stands unique. Perfect in every way. And because of that. He was able to offer himself. As a perfect offering. A perfect sacrifice. To a holy and a righteous God. And what peace we can have. As coming to know him as saviour. To know that it doesn't rest on us. It rests entirely on the work and the worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will always. We will be, those of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour, we will be in heaven, not on our account, not on our merits, but because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done and who he is. It's the perfection of that man. You know, what a... The Gospels are bursting full to the brim of the great things that Jesus did. He worked. At the beginning of Mark, you get this little glimpse into what a day in the life of of the Lord Jesus must have been like. From From early morning all the way through the day, he was working, doing God's will. Undoing the works of the devil. Healing people. Healing the sick. Causing the blind to see. Perfect. In absolutely every way. A perfect offering to God. And that's sort of where we get on to our last one here. Myrrh. Myrrh as I think we know speaks very much about death. Nicodemus when he came to. Uh, on the, on the, one of the days after the Lord had died. He came with a mixture of myrrh and aloes. To, to you know, bring spices to the Lord's body. Myrrh speaks in the Bible, about death. And that really is the the crux, if you like, of the whole gospel message. God sent his son. He lived a perfect life. But if I stop there, there is no gospel message. It involved the laying down of the Lord Jesus. It involved the giving up of his life on that cross so that tonight you have the opportunity to go free. There's no other way that God could do it. Without the shedding of blood, it says, there is no remission. It involved somebody, the Lord Jesus, having to lay down his life so that we, you, I, can go free. And dear friend tonight, because of that perfect sacrifice on that cross, you have the opportunity to come to know him as a saviour. And to come to know God as a saviour God because of that wonderful sacrifice and the shedding of that blood on that cross 2000 years ago. You know, I'm not sure, I imagine very much not when the, the Magi gave these, this gift of myrrh, whether in, he knew in 33 years time the Lord Jesus Christ was going to lay down his life on a cross so that these people here would have the opportunity of salvation and you tonight would have the opportunity of salvation. Dear friends, the gospel is all centred around the Lord Jesus. You know, one of the nice things is it's it's not uh, based on real scriptural verses, because the wise men are always portrayed as being in the stable as well. But in the centre of pretty much every nativity scene, you have the babe in a manger. He's the centre there. He's always been the centre of everything for God. And he will always be the centre of everything for God in an eternity to come. Dear friend, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that has done it and done it to God's internal satisfaction. Jesus Christ gave up his life on that cross. He gave his life up. He shed that blood. But you know what, dear friend? He is not still in the grave. He is alive. God raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the grave. And what does that show? It shows that he was satisfied. God was satisfied in the sacrifice, in the offering. And what peace we can have in our hearts to know that God was satisfied. And we too can find our satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is. And what peace we can have in our heart of coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal saviour. I want to finish one of my favourite carols that I, I like to sing. is In the Bleak Midwinter, and it finishes the carol by saying, If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet, what can I give him? And the last line says, Give him my heart. Dear friend, that's all God is asking tonight. He's not, asking, he's not asking for uh, you to present good works, to, do, to show anything good about yourself at all. God is asking for you to come tonight in repentance and faith. Come in your sin, just as I am. All your burden, all your sin, and it will be dealt with in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, dear believer, I I challenge myself with this as well. What can I give him? Give him my heart. I wonder, dear believer, whether you've given the Lord Jesus Christ your heart. Oh, you say, yes, I I made the decision. I have known the Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour, perhaps for many years. But have you given him your heart? Does he completely hold your affections? Or are the bits of your life that you'd rather keep to yourself? You know, God is after your heart. He wants you. He wants the whole thing. And dear friends, dear believer tonight, the challenge that I challenge myself with, as much as anybody else in this room, is have I really given this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, my whole heart? Or am am I sort of going through life with perhaps even the majority of my affections and time spent on Jesus. But I'm still keeping bits back. That's the challenge. Where's your, where do your affections lie? Have you given the Lord Jesus your heart? Well, dear, dear believer, may that be a challenge for you. But if you do not know, dear friend, this wonderful person. The Lord Jesus Christ is your saviour. May you make him your saviour tonight. God has done and given everything so that you can come into blessing. The Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life on that cross so that you could come into blessing. And dear friends, all it's waiting for now is for your response. Are you coming in repentance and faith? Or are you walking out that door again having ticked the box? You've come to the meeting again, you've ticked the box. That won't do. You need to know the Lord Jesus is your personal Saviour for His name's sake. Amen. Amen.